Welcome to TNT Sports Talk. Today is Tuesday, February 5th. As always, we're presented by D's Home Cuts. I'm your host, Travis Karczewski. Just me today. Um, I know we had the show on Friday with Truman and Brian, but that was kind of an outlier because uh, of the snow days and class were being canceled due to the weather. Um, but again, it's not me the whole time. We do have an interview later in the show with uh, Texans offensive lineman Kendall Lamb. Uh, we had about 15 minutes with him, so you get to hear that towards the end of the show. Um, great interview. We'll talk about it more uh, when we get there, but a great guy, um, a great guest to have on. Uh, so you'll love that. Check it out um, in a little bit. But let's talk about where we're going to start with first. That's football. We're going to start with football. We're going to start with the Super Bowl on Sunday. Um, 13-3. The Patriots won their sixth Super Bowl. Uh, Tom Brady uh, continues to just stack up rings. And same with Bill Belichick. They just continue to win. Um, And it was a pretty boring game. Uh, To most fans, you know, they would look at that game and they'd say, you know, I'm never going to watch that again. Uh... It was boring. It wasn't a shootout like we're used to. It wasn't, you know, Chiefs, you know, type of offense where they're putting up 40, 50 points. It was a boring, very defensive uh, um, that we're not used to in the NFL. You know, both coaching staffs really went at each other. They really threw everything they could to stop their offense, and it really worked. You know, Belichick and Wade Phillips called a hell of a game. Um, the special teams um, really went back and forth. And it was a really good game all around for them. Defensively, you look at somebody uh, on the Rams, Fowler and Sue really had, I think, some of their best games uh, as a Ram and as a football player. You know, they played really well. Um, and the Patriots, Gilmore went off in that game. I think he had a, he had the interception, and then he had a fumble um, that went out of bounds. But it was a really good game for defense all around. The special teams as well, um, you know, I know we had the longest punt in NFL history in the Super Bowl, so that was cool, um, but like, it was a punt, 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 punt game, um, I think we got to the fourth quarter, there wasn't any red zone until the fourth quarter, until, you know, Michelle punched it in towards the end, it was a really good game though, if you're looking at it, you know, yeah, it's not the high scoring, um, shootout type of game we're used to. Uh, with some of the best teams in the NFL this year. But it was a really good game. I think Belichick using the zero blitz there at the end to kind of pressure Goff to throw that one up to Gilmore was uh, amazing. It was one of the best calls I've seen all game, all year. Um, to not use a zero blitz until the fourth quarter to kind of hide it until the last second of the game was genius. Belichick just does those type of things, and he just, that's what makes him the best coach of all time, or one of them. He held something that most guys use all, most guys use multiple times a game, a zero blitz where you just blitz everybody, and there's no possible way that they're going to be able to block everybody. To use that in the last possible second, to save that in your pocket until the last possible second was genius. It was so smart of him, um, and that's what makes him one of the best. MVP Edelman, 10 catches, 141 yards. He went off in that game, former Kent State grad. Uh, shout out to Kent State. He was, he has been Brady's safety blanket, not only you know in the regular season, but in the playoffs. If Brady is in trouble, if he doesn't know where to go, he just checks down, 
up the middle to Julian Edelman, uh, and he fixes it for him, and he gets a nice catch up the middle. That's all he does. Every single time, um, you know, it's a third down or whatever, it's a passing play, look for Edelman up the middle because he's always going to be open. And that we it just showed us in this game today. Uh, as far as the quarterback goes, as far as the offense goes, no quarterback played great. Brady, yeah, Brady won another Super Bowl. He did not play great. He had a pick, I believe, it was the first throw of the game. You know, he wasn't great. He he had a couple good throws to Edelman. Edelman was on fire. Uh, Wade Phillips did a great job of stopping those James White passes out of the backfield. Uh, and as far as Jared Goff goes, Goff shrinks in big moments. We've seen this time and time again. Um, nothing changed in this game. I know we predicted it a little bit on our pregame show on Thursday. Goff isn't good in big moments. He's not a guy who's going to step up when the game's on the line, when his back's against the wall, and he's not going to make those throws to win the game. The one throw he had the Brandon Cooks in the back of the end zone, Cooks was wide open for 10 yards and he didn't even hit him. By the time Goff realized that Cooks was open, it was way too late. Uh, and he ended up throwing a duck in the back of the end zone, and Cooks is just standing there waiting for it. And the defender was 10, 15 yards away, but he's able to catch up to him just because, you know, how slow of a throw it was. And it seems like Goff, a lot of his throws are just slow, wounded ducks that just barely get there or they're low. He's just, I don't know. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback because obviously he's not. You know, he got to the Super Bowl. Um, I think Sean McVay is a lot of the reason why Jared Goff has resurrected his career. And I think Sean McVay is a big reason as to why Jared Goff is thought of as a good, you know, Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. But he's just not. And pure talent wise, he's his mechanics are off. Something's off. I don't. And I've always said this since he was drafted. Something's weird about Jared Goff and the way he throws. I like Jared Goff. I think he's a good guy. But I don't know. I just think he shrinks in big moments. I just don't think his mechanics are all there. Uh, but being a guy who was a scout team center, I guess I really don't know that much about quarterback mechanics. But it's just, I don't know, just something I watch as a fan. I just don't like watching Jared Goff throw the football. Uh, Todd Gurley, I think he's got to be hurt. I know a lot of people are wondering, you know, what happened to Gurley? What happened to Gurley? Why wasn't he you know, out there for the majority of the game? A guy like that, a weapon like that, why wasn't he getting the carries that we thought he deserved? Obviously, everybody thinks he deserved more carries. But I think he's hurt. I think, you know, C.J. Anderson has been a really good backup this year. Uh, something to where it's not that big of a loss if your starter goes out because you do have C.J. Anderson in the backfield. But Gurley is a once-in-generational talent. To not play him in the biggest moment of, uh, you know, this team's life so far doesn't make sense to me the only reason that makes sense is if he's hurt and they did kind of the thing where you know oh well he's not hurt all week he's gonna play he's fine his knee's fine uh just to kind of throw up a smoke screen in front of the patriots it made no sense to me and then when he got carries though when he got a couple carries there in the second half he started to gash the patriots a little bit and they started to move the ball now obviously they went away from that um which makes no sense to me which is why i think Gurley was hurt i think that knee is still bothering him um as far as the commercials and halftime show goes, they were average at best. Uh, nothing really stood out to me. I love the NFL 100 commercial. That was pretty good. Uh, but other than that, the halftime show, Maroon 5 was all right. Travis Scott was all right. Uh, nothing really noteworthy happened during the halftime show, which I guess is good. 
the NFL is kind of trying to get away from noteworthy political events, and the halftime show was just meh. It wasn't anything exciting. It's not going to write headlines, I don't think, and uh, it was just kind of boring. Same with the commercials. Nothing was really exciting with the commercials. It was kind of boring, but it was a historic Super Bowl, I guess, the lowest-scoring Super Bowl ever, um, the longest punt ever, so we did witness a couple of cool things, especially for you know big football fans. It was a pretty good game. As far as where we go from here, uh, the Rams, still one of the youngest teams in the league. They got a lot of questions in this offseason, though, with like a lot of their defensive talents are leaving because they did all those one-year deals. Like you remember with Sue, they paid him a pretty big one-year deal. Uh, so it depends on where he ends up. Um, but again, at the end of the day, they still have McVay. They still have Goff. They still have Gurley. And they do have Aaron Donald. So... The Rams will be back. I believe they'll be back in this game. This is just the first of many, I think, for them. Hopefully. And and because if it's not, you know, they really blew a big opportunity. Because McVay really kind of shrunk in this game. The offensive mastermind only putting up three points in the Super Bowl isn't a great look for him. Not only him, but every coach that got hired because of him. Um, as far as the Patriots go... Is Gronk done? I think Gronk is going to retire. I think he's done. You know, he only had one or two catches in this game. He just he has that that Jason Witten type of run at the end of his career where it just looks like it's so painful every time he catches and runs the ball, and it looks like every time he gets tackled, it takes a little bit to bring him down, but it's just hit after hit after hit to bring him down. And I think he's done. You know, like I said, he runs like you know one of those baby deer that were just born they just don't know how to walk and he's just all straight legged it's just it's awkward um he said he's gonna you know celebrate this super bowl win and then decide what he's gonna do i think he's gonna retire i think it's the end of his uh career for him um he'll end up being easily a hall of famer but as far as brady goes uh you know brady said this would be zero percent chance this would be his last game but six rings now you know maybe he wants to go for the seventh to be you know to have the most Super Bowls of all time, maybe. Um, I just can't believe that he makes it there again. I I don't want to pick against them. And I'm not going to pick against them if it's Brady Belichick again this next year. Um, but he's just he's got to slow down. And I think you know we've seen it time and time again. Uh, he hasn't been playing the best over the last couple of weeks, last couple of years. He hasn't been you know the Tom Brady of the old. Um, but he is continuing to impress me day after day after day you know every day he gets older and it just seems like he stays consistently you know decent you know with those little check down passes but we'll see what happens with Brady if this is the end of the line for him I think that would be the smartest decision you know you walk away with six Super Bowl rings um the most by any player and then you just retire you know you gotta go out on top like Peyton Manning like Ray Lewis and just go ahead and end your career like that. But I just don't think Brady will end it like that. I think he wants to get to seven. Uh, maybe if he gets to seven, he'll retire. But who knows? We'll see. And at the end of the day, if he does come back next year and they lose, you know, in the playoffs or got or, or something happens or the league just completely engulfs itself in flames and the Patriots don't make the playoffs and he and then he decides to retire after that. I don't think anybody's going to fault him for that. So I think you know Brady's already cemented himself as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And if he doesn't go out, go out on top, I don't think it will matter to him that much. But that's the Super Bowl, 13-3, to a real barn burner for us. And uh, really changed the landscape of the NFL, I guess you could say. But this is going to go down as one of the most boring Super Bowls of all time. Uh, average commercials, average halftime show. 
below average type of game. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Brady got his six rings. It sucks. America cries when Brady wins another Super Bowl. But hopefully this will push him towards his retirement. Although, we don't know for sure. Other news in the NFL that was released over this weekend. Uh, or actually, I think this was released Friday. Uh, Julius Peppers, all-time great linebacker. Retired after 17 seasons. He has about 160 sacks, 159.5. But uh, he's a Packer, so we'll round that up to 160. That puts him fourth all-time on the sack list behind Kevin Green. Um, uh, Kevin Green, Reggie White, and... Uh, Bruce Smith, uh, three all-time greats. Uh, three out of the four um, all-time sack leaders have been involved with the Packers organization at one point in their lifetime or career, which is interesting. Um, but again, he played for the Bears. He played for the Panthers mostly. I think people mostly remember him on the Panthers. Um, and then he played three years with the Packers. But I know a lot of people remember him for the Panthers. You know, he went Panthers, Bears, Packers, and then back to the Panthers for two years. Um he, he was a force on the Bears, and he was a force on the Packers, too. Uh, three first-team All-Pros. Easily going to be a Hall of Famer in 2024. That's when he's first eligible. Julius Peppers, uh, all-time great, all-time force, and uh, another Packer. Hopefully, he will be going to the Hall of Fame in 2024. Um, but that's it for that. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame, though. Let's stick on that. The Hall of Fame class was announced over the... Uh, Weekend at the NFL Honors Show. We're not going to get into the NFL Honors today uh, because we do have the Kendall Lamb interview and we got some stuff I want to talk about with basketball. So we don't have really much time to talk about the Honors Show, um, nor do we have much time to go into each individual Hall of Famer and what they did during their career. So I'm going to try to split that up, maybe go into it more detail on Thursday. Um, but the Hall of Fame class Ed Reed, Ty Law, Tony Gonzalez, Kevin Mwehi, Champ Bailey, Johnny Robinson, Gil Brandt, Pat Bolin. Um, so some of those names on that list, I think uh, Ed Reed, Ty Law, Tony Gonzalez, Champ Bailey, uh, and Kevin Mawahi, I, I can't pronounce that name, uh, are all first-time Hall of Famers, first ballot Hall of Famers, and they all deserve it. Uh, so good for them. You know, Tony Gonzalez was a force. And these are, this is really, you know, we're starting to get into it more. These guys, you know, Ed Reed, Ty Law, Tony Gonzalez, Champ Bailey, these are guys I remember watching when I was growing up. So it's kind of cool because, you know, usually in the past the guys that got in are guys I didn't really watch. Um, but I remember a lot of these guys, you know, during my, you know, childhood growing up, playing with them on Madden and stuff. So it's cool to see them get in. Um and we'll go, like I said, we'll go into a little bit more detail towards the end, uh, maybe on the show on Thursday. Um, but again, we do have a lot on the show, so I don't have the time to go into it detail by detail. But uh, that's it for the Hall of Fame class. All these guys deserve it. I don't think there really was any true snubs. Obviously, every year, if you only let in a certain amount of people, there's going to be snubs every year. There's guys people think should get in almost every single year uh, that don't. But. It's a good class. It's a solid class. I'm excited to watch them be inducted. Uh, other news in the NFL, Brian Flores and Zach Taylor were both hired uh, after the Super Bowl. Zach Taylor by the Bengals, Brian Flores by the Dolphins. Flores, that's a hot name right now. He coached, he coached, he was with Belichick coaching that Super Bowl. Um, he coached a great game, so he's coming off of that. Zach Taylor is coming off a Super Bowl loss. Uh, at the end of the day, what Truman says, I think it's the most true thing I've ever heard. 
Uh, Zach Taylor may not be the perfect candidate for the Rams, but at least he's a new you know guy. At least he's some fresh blood into that organization, which I think they really desperately need. Uh, so good for them. Uh, that's it for NFL. Oh, one more storyline: the Chiefs next year they they are favored to win the Super Bowl. I think they have six to one odds. Um, other notable thing with the odds is the Browns have the twelfth best odds. Um, so clearly they're climbing up that list uh, in terms of respect in the NFL. So there's that. We're gonna move now to basketball. We've had a crazy couple of days due to the trade deadline coming up on Thursday. But before that, I had to remind you guys our show is brought to you by A's Lawn Service. Since 2014, A's Lawn Service has been providing professional landscaping at a low and fair price. Uh, turn to A's Lawn Service for all your landscaping and home needs, and you will not be disappointed. It's been cold out the last couple of weeks, last couple of days, really cold out. Um, but now it's starting to thaw out a little bit. Spring is in the air. It's starting to kind of... Get in everybody's mind, you know, spring and summer. Uh, don't waste your time enjoying your spring and your summer, uh, mowing the lawn, mulching, whatever. Turn to Ace Lawn Service, and trust me, you will not be disappointed. They're going to do great work. They're not going to, you know, waste your time or money. They're going to make your lawn and your home look great. So make sure you check them out. The phone number is 330-241-2392. Again, 330-241-2392. 2392 and the email is lawnservice.as at gmail.com as lawn service llc you grow it we cut it so let's talk basketball um we missed out on the uh um uh porzingis trade we didn't really talk about that that much i think that was released after the show on thursday after we recorded so let's get into it a little bit um the mavs and the knicks made a trade the mavericks got Tim Hardaway, Courtney Lee, Kristaps uh, Porzingis, and Trey Burke. Obviously, Porzingis being the main piece of that trade. And then the Knicks got DeAndre Jordan, Dennis Smith Jr., Wesley Matthews, and a first-round pick. What this does for the Knicks is it opens up two max roster spots uh, for them to play around with next uh, summer, this upcoming summer, which is huge because they do have a lot of free agents, a lot of notable free agents, Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, uh, Anthony Davis has an option. There's a lot of things, uh, a lot of guys available for them um, if they want to sign a big name free agent. Now with Kristop gone, it is uh, easier for them to pay for these free agents. In my opinion, I think the Mavericks got the better deal with this trade. Not only did they get Porzingis, who is going to be Dirk's replacement once he retires, and he's a Really good young player. And I think people underestimate how good he is because he's been hurt. Um, they also got Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee, who are some good shooters on the outside. And Trey Burke has really kind of resurrected his career, uh, making himself a pretty good point guard. I just think the Knicks made a bad decision on this. Porzingis is a once-in-a-generational talent. His nickname is the Unicorn. We all know that. He is a once-in-a-generational talent. To get rid of somebody like Kristop is like the Bears kind of getting rid of Khalil Mack. You know, you you try, you that first round pick you got, or that those free agent spots you got, you try to lure in a player like Chris Stop with one of those things. You try to sign a free agent who's like Chris Stop. You try to get draft a player that's like him. And to just get rid of him for like that, it just makes no sense to me. And as far as Chris Stop Porzingis goes, to ask for a trade 
That just proves to me Carmelo Anthony's legacy in New York. Carmelo Anthony stuck it out in New York. He didn't ask for a trade. They ended up trading him because obviously they were going through a little bit of a rebuilding process. He stuck it out. He wanted to grind it out and, and pull New York up by its bootstraps. Porzingis just wasn't interested in doing that. Now, obviously, we don't know what went on in that organization, but he never gave um, the fans. The fans liked him at the end there, and you know, obviously, you know, he was booed when he got drafted and stuff like that. Um, but they ended up loving him there, and to just kind of spit in the fans' face like that and ask for a trade and just get out like it was nothing. Uh, if I'm a Knicks fan, that hurts me a lot, and uh, I'd be pissed off at him. But again, at the end of the day, uh, if he just didn't feel like he could thrive there, you know, and he had to feel like he could go somewhere else, you know, more power to him. I think the Mavericks are going to get a great deal, a great player in Porzingis. I think, like I said, he's going to be Dirk's replacement, and to run, you know, kind of offense around him and Doncic for the next couple of years, it's going to be a force in the NBA, and it's going to be fun to watch. So like I said, the trade deadline is is uh, the 7th, uh, that's Thursday, so February 7th. It starts at 3 Eastern is when the deadline goes through. Uh, I expect a couple more deals to happen. As far as Anthony Davis goes, uh, I don't think he's going to get moved. I think he's going to end up, this is going to backfire on him. The Lakers, you know, we've seen some of the deals they've tried to uh, convince the Pelicans to take. They're basically throwing their whole roster at the Pelicans to try and get Anthony Davis. And I don't think the Pelicans want any of those players. Uh, you know, I get it. They're young. They're hungry players. But uh, they haven't really shown, because they had it pretty much last year. What the Pelicans would be getting is basically what the Lakers were last year. And they weren't great last year. Um, I think guys like Ingram, Lonzo, Ingram, like I said, Ingram, Lonzo, Kuzman, um, these guys are young, and they haven't really proved enough to me that I want to give a, give away my once-in-a-generational talent like that uh, for them. I guess what's going to happen is Danny Ainge has been kind of... Danny Ainge, they said it on one of my favorite podcasts, do not do not pick up the phone when Danny Ainge is calling because he is going to convince you to do something, and whatever he convinces you to do, you're going to end up looking like a loser in that trade. But I guess what he is, what he's doing right now is he's calling the, the Pelicans and is convincing them to stay um, with Anthony Davis till July 1st and then trade him to the Celtics. Um, and I guess whatever he's offering them is way better than what the Lakers is offering. Because um, to have to play another half a season with Anthony Davis is going to be very awkward. And fans aren't going to like him. He's going to get booed. And it's going to be kind of fun to watch as a guy who likes to watch chaos kind of in the NBA. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. but Because um, like we said, the NBA is the most petty, rumorous organization in the league. You know, Yesterday we saw Lonzo Ball took the Lakers out of his bio on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, LeVar Ball's back in the media saying he wants Lonzo to go to Phoenix, not New Orleans. Um, so it's going to be kind of an interesting he's Lonzo Ball his dad LeVar is screwing this deal kind of for the Lakers because the Pelicans aren't going to want to take Lonzo and LeVar Ball because once you get Lonzo you get LeVar too and LeVar is going to be complaining about New Orleans the whole time it's not going to be something that they want to deal with so he's kind of screwing that deal for them but uh 
February 7th at 3 is the deadline. I doubt Anthony Davis gets moved before then. I think he stays pat with the Pelicans for the rest of the season. And then I think he gets moved to the Celtics uh, come um, the summer, July 1st, I think is when he can be traded. But the other deal we had was Rodney Hood was traded to the Trailblazers for Nick Stauskas, Wade, Wade Baldwin the fourth, and two second-round picks. Uh, this is a good deal for the Cavs. Rodney Hood wasn't really producing for them. Uh, Stauskas and Baldwin are pretty good young players. Not uh, They're good role players, good young role players. And then they got two second-round picks, which they could use the package to move up, or they could just pick players with that. Um, Stauskas... Came out of Michigan, uh, first-round draft pick. He's been moved around more than anybody. You know, he's one of those guys. He's like um, Evan Turner. They just get moved, and Doug McDermott. Uh, they just get moved and traded time and time again in these deals. Uh, and teams just keep taking them, and they just keep getting traded. So I feel bad for him. But, again, he's still in the NBA, so how bad can you feel for an NBA guy um, who's getting to play basketball as his career? But, uh, again, Thursday was our show, but we didn't really get to talk about uh, things that happened on Thursday night, like the All-Star Reserve getting announced, so we'll go through that right now. Uh, In the East, it was Blake Griffin, Kyle Lowry, Victor Oladipo, um, Bradley Beal, Ben Simmons, Chris Middleton, Nikolai Vucevic from the Magic, and then um, Dwayne Wade was added at the end, kind of being because this is his last season, so they added him at the end. Uh, obviously, Oladipo is hurt, so they replaced him with D'Angelo Russell, um, which was a good decision because he's having a great season. Shout out to Ohio State. Uh, we got another all-star in there. But uh, as far as looking at this list, I think there's really no shockers here. I think Beal, Simmons deserved it. Lowry, Griffin, all these guys you know, are NBA all-stars through and through. Um, Chris Middleton is interesting from the Bucks. He's had a pretty good season. He's been a pretty underrated scorer in his career. Uh, so to get him into the All-Star game was cool. Kind of put him on the map a little bit. And then you just go to the West. Uh, Russell Westbrook, LaMarcus Aldridge, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Nikolo Jokic, uh, and then Dirk Nowitzki again was added at the end. Him and Wade were added at the end because this is kind of their both, um, the both the end of their uh, careers. So last season put them in the All-Star game. Um, though that West bench right there, though, could beat the East starters. And that just shows the disparity in talent between the two divisions. Um, biggest snubs, I would say, are Donkic, Tobias Harris, and Gobert. We saw Gobert crying because um, he didn't make the All-Star team. And yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that's sad. But why? what are you crying for? You know what I mean? At the end of the day, you're going to win defensive MVP. All-Stars aren't that important. You know, it's not going to... You know, win your team games. I get it. You work your ass off and you try to get to the All-Star game. And when you don't make it, it sucks. But who are you going to take out in the West and put Gobert in? He's an All-Star. He deserves it. But there's just too much talent in the West to make an All-Star team if you're Rudy Gobert. You can't. He's been a little hurt this season. He hasn't played in every single game. That hurts him a lot too. Um, but you can't really take any of these guys out to put Rudy Gobert in. So, yeah, it sucks. Um, yeah, to see him cry. Um put things in perspective a little bit sure but at the end of the day who are you going to take out to put Rudy Gobert in you can't take any of these guys out um so yeah that sucks but what are you going to do uh baseball last quick baseball thing we don't have much on baseball we're still waiting on Machado and uh, Harper to sign we got about 
12 to 13 days until pitchers and catchers start to report. Um, and there's still some big names left out there to be signed, um, especially Machado and Harper. We're wait. I think once one falls, I think the other will fall. Harper's been keeping it kind of a secret. I don't really know when Machado's going to sign his deal with the White Sox, but it's got to be soon because uh, we're getting there. But that is it for baseball. Like I said, we don't have much on baseball. We're still waiting on these guys to sign. Um, but we're going to move now to our interview with Kendall Lamb. Uh, but before that, D's Home Cuts. D's Home Cuts is the best place around Northeast Ohio for a great haircut at a low price. For only $7, D's Home Cuts will provide you with a modern haircut and styling. Uh, since, since we've started this show, I'd say about 90% of our guests have gotten their haircut at D's at least once uh, or their lifetime clients. Um, sorry about that pause. My dog was barking and I didn't want it to sound uh, in the podcast. But again, at least 90% of our guests have been clients with D's. We're lifelong clients of D's Home Cuts. Check them out. $7. You can count that on your fingers. You don't have to... Uh, you won't find a cheaper haircut anywhere um, around Northeast Ohio or even in Ohio, even in the country. You won't find a cheaper haircut. And best of all of it, that $7 goes straight to Dom's pockets. He doesn't. It's not like you're paying you know, $20 and 10 of it goes to the, the great, cl- great uh, Clips uh, corporate headquarters. This, this money goes straight to Dom's pockets, a nice college entrepreneur. Uh, Dom's continuing to grow this business, so check him out, D's Home Cuts. Check out his Instagram at D's Home Cuts. DM him for an appointment or set it up directly in his bio. You can also check out his YouTube page that he started, um, Unlimited Dom. I've talked about it before. Uh, great place if you want to start to lose weight. Dom is starting this weight loss channel. Uh, you follow along with his weight loss journey. Um you know he's running those 5Ks. He's running those races that he's trying to do. Uh, he's also continuing to lose weight so he can get down to his goal. So check him out. These home cuts or unlimited Dom. These uh, home cuts though, professional haircuts at a low price. So this is our interview with Kendall Lamb. Uh, great guest, one of the best guests we've had on. The first, um, I believe, current who first guest we've had on that started a game uh this past season he started 13 games i think with the uh the texans i think that includes the playoff game versus the colts um week three uh their starting right tackle went down with an injury so kendall lamb came in uh he started the rest of the season uh and he played great he played so well you know bill o'brien even called him the most improved player he's ever been around uh he's somebody who you know he talked about a little bit in the interview uh, about how Kobe Bryant is his favorite athlete because of his work mentality. Kendall Lamb has this kind of Mamba mentality. You know he went, he, I think he he was at Appalachian State, a small college, undrafted, worked his way onto the roster for the Texans, onto the practice squad, was waived at one point, but just kept working and grinding, going against all-time greats like Jadavian Clowney and J.J. Watt every single day in practice just working and grinding to get there. Um, And now he's starting to see it pay off. He started a bunch of these games this season. He played really well. That Texans offensive line was a lot um, improved from the last couple years, uh, and Kendall Lamb was a big reason behind that. It's not easy blocking for a guy like Deshaun Watson, a mobile guy, because you have to hold your blocks a little bit longer. He talks about that. just a great interview, a great guy. Um, check it out. We're really appreciative that they come that he came on. Um, so here he is, Texans offensive lineman Kendall Lamb. All right. So we now 
now welcome on NFL offensive lineman Kendall Lamb. How's your offseason going? Uh, it's going pretty good, man. It's nice to get back home to Charlotte, uh, reconnect with the family, um, kind of get to work get to work here as you know, I have an offseason routine and everything. So it's just nice to, to go into this phase of, of the football career. So what's your, like, typical off-season looking like? Did you take a break uh, in between working out, or did you just jump right back into it? Um, so, of course, playing more this year. I uh, took about a week-and-a-half, two-week break, maybe two-and-a-half-ish, and just let my body relax, um, let let it kind of heal up some. I didn't really feel that bad after the season. I actually kind of felt pretty good, so I was kind of eager to get back going. I'm not the type of person who – like to sit around and not do much, uh, kind of get the itch to start at least doing some physical activity. So I've uh, been doing that for about a week and a half, two weeks now. And, I mean, nothing intense, intense right now. I'll work my way back up, but I just got to at least be doing something, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's talk about last year with Houston Texans. You guys started the season 0-3, and, and then you get to start in week four and you guys win nine straight. What do you think the main reason was behind this winning streak? Um, I mean, there, there are, of course, different factors. Um, I just think we we, we kind of bought in. Like, 0-3, you, you know, your back's really against the wall. You really can you can either go two ways. You can either tank, and there's the end of the season right there, because as you know it, if you go 0-4, 0-5 in the NFL season, it's, I mean, it's kind of hard to, to climb out of that hole, more or less an 0-3 hole. But, you know, we kind of just bought in collectively, you know, guys, didn't really point the fingers. Guys just went to work. You know, we, we, we worked on our craft, worked on the little things. And then, you know, we, we, we built a little chemistry, and then things, you know, of course, started to get to rolling. So, you know, the rest the rest kind of played out how it played out. Yeah, definitely. So what was, like, the atmosphere like during that nine-game winning streak? Was it pretty fun being around the locker room during that? Oh, I mean, it's to be honest, man, it, it's fun being in there regardless. I mean, just from my perspective, you know it's a blessing to be doing what we're doing. But, you know, the, the city had more of a buzz. You know, the, the fans were always good. They always pack it out. But, you know, things were a little louder. You know, everybody was asking this, this, and that. So, I mean, of course, winning winning solves a lot of things. And Houston has, has won a winner, winner for a long time. So, it, it was definitely fun. Yeah, so let's talk about, you know, your career a little bit. Uh, you've made actually some pretty great improvements so far in your game. You know, you started as an undrafted free agent. You were on the practice squad, and I saw you were even waved at one point. Uh, you know, even Coach O'Brien said that you were one of the most improved guys he's ever worked with. Uh, how do you think, you know, you improved your game so quickly? Um, from my standpoint, <clears throat> it's just, you know, being really being really honest with yourself, you know, looking yourself in the mirror when things may not have gone the way you wanted it to, and, you know, pinpointing some things that you needed to work on and really and truly staying, staying with the process. It, if you have to tweak that sometimes, you know, you make the tweaks and the adjustments you need. But it's more or less, in my opinion, just not listening to the outside noise. You know, you, you take the opinions and that, that you need to within the building. But for the most part, for me, I just clock in, do what I need to do, and clock out. It really just, I mean, it, it's a credit to the way I was raised and, and the way I know how to grind, you know. I've noticed in life some people really don't understand or know how to just put their nose down and get to work and, I'm thankful that I really know how to do that. So it's, it's definitely been a blessing. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, from a rookie to now, what aspect of your game did you improve on the most? Um, I would say it would it would be just, you know, having a grasp of the NFL game. Like you, you don't really get that until you play, until you're out there, until you 
you know, you, you learn how to make adjustments on the fly. You know, you learn how to watch film. Even though I knew how to watch film before, you, you learn how to break it down even more. You know, you learn so much when you're the guy that has to prepare week in and week out for somebody in various different rushers. So, you know, it's taught me. It's taught me. Of course, I always thought I was a good pro, but at the same time, mm-hmm. just being a better pro, just diving deeper into your craft. And, I mean, and at the same time, it should be fun because, you know, football is a young man's game, and, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to be still playing it. But it's just made me really and truly look at look at myself overall and, you know, just make the fine tweaks there. But as I said before, you really can't do those things from a – from a knowledge standpoint and intellectual standpoint until you played a lot. And I think I learned that a lot this year. How much did it help going against guys like Watt and Clowney during practice? I mean, you can't simulate that. Um, they're two of the best in the game. It's Especially me being that right tackle, you know, I'll go against J.J. all the time because that's, in my opinion, that's the side he likes to rush more against the right tackle. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just I just told myself every day, you know, I can remember being a rookie coming in and, you know, getting snaps against him early. And then as the years progress, getting more and more and more, you know, I look at J.J. When, when I look at J.J., I don't see what you guys see. I see somebody that, you know, no offense to him, but that's standing in my way. You know, I have to do what I need to do to block him. And, you know, you learn the ins and outs of how to do that. You learn his game. And it's the same thing with Clowney because I play left side as well. So you just learn. And, I mean, like I said, they're two of the best, so it, going against them every day and, and learning little techniques to put into your game against them, it's a big thing. So, Is it is it different blocking for a guy like Watson? You know, he's a little bit more mobile. Is it different blocking for, like, a mobile quarterback than just a pocket passer? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would lie to you and say if it wasn't, you know, sometimes, you know, he's going to be able to extend the play, use his legs and all that. You know that, in my, in my opinion, your time clock has to go forever because he, he does move. He does like to, you know, be very, very uh, mobile in the pocket. And, I mean, he's actually a very good passer as well. So, mm-hmm. in, in my in my opinion, you just have to know, like, you have to stay on your man a little bit longer. Um, you have to run him a little bit longer because, you know, the play's never dead with him. Yeah, that's true. What was your first start like? Uh, did you notice, like, the change of speed from college to the NFL? I know you said you definitely saw that, but what was your first start like getting through the nerves, I'm sure, um, how did you, how did you do? How do you think it was? Oh, so of course I got I got the the opportunity to play, you know, very early. I played a, a good amount my rookie year, and I can remember I can remember my first meaningful snaps in the NFL with my first year, and I actually played right tackle was against Carolina Panthers. I didn't start that game, but I finished uh, halfway through the second quarter through the rest of the game, and I just remember telling or just seeing in general like, you know these guys rotate in and rotate out, and they're as fast, they're as big. You know, mm-hmm. your, your keys, like, you, you have to really and truly watch the film to be able to tell the keys because they have been so fast, and if you're not prepared for it, then it can, it can be disastrous out there. But, I mean, I know everybody says the speed because it's the truth. Like, you know, you've got you've got 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, 300-pound men across the line from you that have quickness as, as fast as, you know, some great athletes. So it's like... That that you you have to be as prepared as you can, which makes it a lot easier for you. So uh, I mean, it was definitely different though. Uh, do you talk trash during the game? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm I'm personally not really the biggest the biggest talker out there. I'm more focused on you know what I have to do within this play. I always go over in my mind, you know, how this person rushed me, what what how this happened, how that happened, you know, what I saw on film, deciphering information. I know some guys do it 
And I mean that's the credit to them that they can. But from my standpoint, I try yeah. to keep as I try to keep as much energy as I can because I mean offensive line play, especially tackle, is already hard as it is. So you said you know you noticed you know the change of speed. Uh, was there another change of speed when you guys made the playoffs this year? So the wild card game, did you notice oh, like? <clears throat> for sure. I mean, yeah. the playoffs are a whole different a whole different animal. Um, you know, the little minute mistakes that can happen in the regular season have have a greater impact in the playoffs. Because you know they they're that much more meaningful in those type of games, and guys know that you know this might be the last time they play. So not to say that they don't give everything every game during the regular season, but you're for sure going to get it in the playoffs. So yeah, it, it, it definitely it definitely picks up in the intensity. Definitely definitely goes to a different notch. So so you mentioned you know Watt and Clowney. Other than those two guys, who's the hardest guy you think you've had to block during your NFL career? Not even NFL, even college. Um, let's see. Well, I mean, I went against Von Miller this year. <clears throat> he was very good. Uh, I went against Marcus Lawrence this year. He was very good. He's one of the, in my opinion, the better uh, young defensive ends, pass rusher-wise, and even in the run game, he's very good. Uh, let me think. Uh, a, guy that, a lot of guys probably won't give as much credit as the guys I named before. I'm pretty sure it's Trent Murphy from Buffalo Bills. Oh, yeah. He played. He played at Stanford. He was with the Redskins when I first got in the NFL. We went up there and scrimmaged them um, during my first training camp. He's a very savvy, uh, very very good rusher in my opinion. He uses his strengths well. Um, very 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 intelligent as well. But I mean, I went against I went against a good amount. Even from Michael Bennett this year to Chris Long. I mean, I I, I saw I saw very good a lot uh, of it. Yeah, different style rushers who. You know, I've have been very good in in, in their career, so it was definitely yeah. it was definitely different, man. Yeah, definitely. Yep. What do you think the the biggest misconception surrounding offensive linemen today? Hmm. Uh, I would say it's changed from when I was younger to now, but we still it's still a little different. You know, we're actually hell of athletes, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we're, we're 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 more we're more athletic than people. And people realize. I can remember, you know, I come home and I do these drills with certain people. You know, foot speed, movements, lateral quickness, and everything. Now, you know, running for long distances, and we might not be as fast, but I can promise you, my my foot speed and everything, and my attention to detail is as is as good, if not better, <clears throat> than most athletes. And mm-hmm. another thing that people sort of realize, even though we weigh more, our core is actually stronger than almost anyone. Like yeah. I can promise you I do more core work than most of the guys you see with these beautiful six and eight packs in other people's minds. Even yeah. though I personally don't have that, I can promise you my core is stronger than his. So yeah. I mean, But, of course, us being bigger, oh, he can't move, blah, blah, blah. But if you get a majority of us on a basketball court, you'll see that for yourself. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So uh, you're going – you're a free agent now. Your contract ended. Uh, if the Texans don't decide to bring you back, what what are you going to be looking for when choosing your next team? Is there anything, you know, certain? Um, my biggest thing is, and I've told, you know, my agent and other people this as well, I just want to go to a place, you know, where, where, in my opinion, the best fit and the best coaching. Because, in my opinion, offensive line, especially from an offensive line standpoint, you know, our game is about being big and strong and, you know, quick feet and everything. But – it's a technical game. You know, technique is so big in offensive line play from your hand placement to how you kick to, you know, how you see things from a certain set of eyes. Like, te- technique, and I just want to go somewhere. I mean, if it's not staying Houston, of course, 
where, you know, technique will be drilled to the max because, in my opinion, that that's how you continue to progress and you continue to get better. So I'll be intrigued to see how it plays out. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, just some questions now that we ask most people. Um, who's your favorite athlete growing up? Mm, um, it has to be Kobe Bryant. I'm a big Kobe fan from, from yeah. the sense of, you know, his mentality, you know, how he worked within the game. <clears throat> I know – Things happen off the court. I mean, that's life. People make mistakes, but at the same time, you can't tell me that anybody in the NBA throughout his career probably outworked him. So, and I mean, in my opinion, that's that that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in life. You know, you get you get out of what you put into it. So, just his mentality of, of putting that work in stood out to me big time. Mm-hmm. So, who do you think, in your opinion, is the best offensive lineman in NFL history? Ooh. <laughs> Um, let's see. I know I'm thinking from a tackle standpoint. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to mispronounce his name. Anthony Munoz, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, was was a very, very, very good tackle offensive lineman. Um, the, the guy, and I'm going blank on his name, the guard that was in Dallas forever. Big giant. Uh, um, like, what is Newton? his name? Newton? What is it? No, no. What's his first name? Uh, uh, I can't remember. You want to look it up, Charles? Yeah. All I know is he's the one who benched at the pro, and I've watched so much film of him, and I can't believe I'm, I'm going blank. He benched like 40 reps, 45 reps on 225. Like it was literally nothing. He animal. But, I mean, even from the standpoint of now, you know, I remember just from my watching football, I know – I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Watching Jordan Gross was huge. Uh, one of my teammates, Dwayne Brown, was phenomenal. You know, there I've actually seen you know really good offensive linemen um, in the league right now. You know, I've, I've, I've I watch Zach Martin all the time. I watch Brandon Brooks all the time. Uh, I, I love and <laughs> our coach wasn't the biggest fan of him, but I loved uh, I love watching Taylor Lewan. I love his film. <clears throat> yeah. And, just, just how he goes about things. So I mean, it's, it's all over, man. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, we'll wrap this up here. What's your favorite sports memory of all time? Mm, uh, still to this day, winning the state championship in high school. My senior yeah. year, we went undefeated, and <clears throat> we brought the first football state title back to Butler. So that's something I'll cherish. That's for. cool. Yeah, yep, definitely. And then your Super Bowl pick for Sunday. Ooh. I've been asked this question a lot. Uh, in my opinion, man, it's hard. It's hard to bet against Tom. I mean, yeah, people right. bet against him a lot. I mean, people have said so much. I can remember seeing earlier in the year <clears throat> when they didn't have the best start. The Patriots are done. Blah blah blah. But if you if you have a guy like that at the helm at your quarterback, you know he's he's got he's he's ice cold, man. When the time comes and the lights the lights come on, especially at the most critical moments, he's the best to ever do it. Man, I mean, it's been shown over and over. So I'm not going to say they win, but at the same time, it's hard to go against them. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all we have here. You got anything else, Sherman? Nope. I think we're good. All right. Thank you, man. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, but I appreciate you guys having yeah. Thanks, guys. So there was an interview with uh, NFL offensive lineman Kendall Lamb. Um, he is a free agent this year, which is why we called him NFL offensive lineman. Uh, but he was with the Texans last year. Great interview with him. Um, 
we really appreciate him coming on, getting kind of a different perspective uh, than what we usually have here. Um, great interview. Uh, I believe we're at five now. We have had five professional athlete interviews so far, um, and we just got through the month of January, and we got a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, we got a lot of stuff in the works right now. Can't really say it because um, I don't want to say it and then it not happen. But we got a couple interviews already scheduled. Um, we got a couple interviews. Um, we already, you know, talked to a lot of guys. Um, so there's some big things coming up in the future for us. So check it out. Um, you're gonna want to be following our Twitter though to uh, get the kind of sneak peek about who's coming on. But but that's our show. That's the end of our show today. We want to thank you to our sponsors, D's Home Cuts and A's Lawn Service. They continue to support the show. They've been supporting the show since the uh, beginning. Uh, we ask that you go into iTunes, give us five stars, rate, review us, and subscribe. Follow us on Spotify. Find us also on YouTube. Um, and then you can also listen to us tomorrow from tw- on 12OunceSports.com uh, from 7 to 8 a.m. As well as GrandOldSports.com. So a million ways to listen, a million ways to check out and consume uh, this awesome podcast that we put on for you guys. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, TNT at TNT Sports Talk 12. That is where you can find everything. If you ever want to reach us personally, go to Twitter, send us a DM. Um, you can send us questions, comments, concerns, stuff you didn't like, stuff you like. Um, if you want to be a guest on the show, if you have questions you want us to answer on the show, Twitter is the place to go. Our DMs are always open. Um, we'll also be posting um, the day before the show a little uh, sneak peek about what's to come on the show. Um, so check it out, TNT Sports Talk 12. Uh, but other than that, um, I think that's all we have. Have a great day. Tune in on Thursday. We're going to have another interview on for you on Thursday. Check out the Twitter to find out who it is. Um, another great um guy coming on it's gonna be interesting uh so check it out on thursday uh but other than that have a great day guys thanks